All right, friends. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Really excited to talk to our guest, James, today. So James Baxter is a co-founder of Exodus 90. You might be familiar with Exodus, and he served as CEO of Exodus for five years. He attended St. John Vianney Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, and St. Minrad. Did I get that right? Yeah, St. Minrad. Close enough. Minrad. I know we rehearsed it before. Minrad. St. <laughs> Minrad Seminary and School of Theology in St. Minrad, Indiana before discerning God was calling him to marriage and secular life. In 2015, James assumed responsibility for scaling Exodus 90 from a seminary formation program into a spiritual exercise to bring the freedom of Jesus Christ to his men. James lives in Fort Wayne, Indiana with his wife, Colleen, son, Joseph, and baby girl, Genevieve, and they attend St. John the Baptist Parish. James, thanks for making time for our podcast. Justin, appreciate you, and, and thanks for this invite. Yeah, it's a delight, and I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, so Exodus, you know, it's it's been around and, and growing in the church like crazy. Um, I would imagine our listeners know about Exodus, but can you answer the question you maybe answered 10,000 times at this point? Can you just describe Exodus 90 for those who might not be familiar? Yeah, Exodus 90 is a 90-day uh, spiritual exercise um, for, for men. Um, everything that we do uh, here at Exodus is all about uh, helping men find greater freedom. And uh, obviously the world has a definition of freedom that, that we don't share, that the world says, you know, we need to be kind of detached and free to do whatever we want, whenever we want, for, with whoever we want, for how long we want. And obviously as, as Catholics and as Christians, we look at that, that differently. You know, so freedom for us is just all about putting ourselves into a place where we can love, you know, primarily uh, cultivate our, our love for God, you know, and from that contemplative place um to, to respond to our vocations as generously as we can so vast majority of our guys are married uh so most of them are coming to just be a better husband a better father and um you know that's what it's that's really what it's all about so uh kind of the, the fundamentals of exodus are kind of the pillars or the prayer the ascetic and the fraternal component we'll get into some of that but uh you know we believe that that those parts of our tradition have a lot to offer men today mm -hmm. and um when I look at what we're doing, it's it's really very simple, representing um, ancient truths um, and just watching how they visibly benefit, um, you know, men today, which is, which is really moving. Yeah, it's so great. Y'all are bringing that back. I feel like it's an overlooked uh, aspect of our faith. So it was a, I participated last year in a group. It was a, it was a challenge. I'm not going to lie. It was hard. But, um, you know, for me, what I found was, my own limitations are self-made of what I'm capable of doing. So it was huh. freeing in that way. You know, it's like, could I make it uh, a week without eating? It's like, yeah, I think I could. Not that it's an Exodus discipline, right? But uh, just the increased fasting, the, it's like, it really showed me what I'm capable of. So I thank you all for that. And um, I know you've got some great data. Third-party independent research says 99% of men report a freedom from previous attachment to sins and pleasures of the world after completing the three-month exercise, and more than 50,000 men, including priests and bishops, have journeyed through it. Did you know it would be that popular when you were getting involved with Exodus? Yeah, definitely not. Um, <laughs> you know, in many ways, so, so this whole thing started as a seminary formation, formation program first uh, from a mentor of mine that he had started. Um, and so when he kind of proposed sharing this with others you know i was kind of doing it as a favor to it to a friend 
um, I needed something to do. So, you know, it seemed like a worthwhile, worthwhile cause. And um, I kind of like the chaos of having no structure or roadmap and just having to figure something from the, out from nothing. So it just kind of suited me on a natural level, but then obviously just in praying over it, I just, yeah, the Lord was like really clear with me that the impact of this was in the future. And I didn't really know what knew what that meant at the time. Um, but watching it unfold as it has, has been, uh, yeah, just a total, total surprise and, and delight. Um, and I'm just, just grateful that, that God is, God is using this and that men are taking it up. Honestly, it's, Every year, you know, when we, we, we keep growing, I just, I'm so moved by the guys, you know, all of whom have a history, a story, all of them struggling with different things, also with different gifts and skills. And I'm just so struck by how men in very different places are finding something uh, in this. And uh, I think primarily that's because like when we place ourselves in our unique stories before the person of Jesus Christ, he is able to just work wonders like when we just create create that space you know he was doing that 2000 years ago he's been doing it ever since and he and he does it with us you know when we when we when we allow him to and um sometimes when we don't even allow him to <laughs> but um yeah no it's been a it's been a real delight but as for the growth i definitely think it's because at the end of the day like just placing men before christ it's just mm -hmm. like with all their gifts all their skills and allowing him to just kind of move them forward i mean he's He's the master. He's the Lord. And, um, you know, I guess it's not surprising from another perspective that this would happen when you make that time for him. Um, what you said, though, really struck me, this idea that, you know, we have these limitations sometimes that we mm -hmm. think we're working in that we yeah. can kind of break out of. And this is actually one of my, I don't know, I don't have a lot of hot takes, but mm -hmm. one of my, my perspectives as well is like a lot of the things we interpret as crosses you know, either if it's from like personal experiences that have been really challenging or even traumas, um, you know, or just kind of things in professional life that, that are challenging. A lot of the times we can kind of like spiritualize them to the point where it's like we almost just like want the suffering and we're we don't believe God can heal or like mm -hmm. we don't believe in recovery. Mm -hmm. And um, I just don't think that's right. Like not from the identity of like a son of God, you know, mm -hmm. for whom you know, we're beloved sons, beloved daughters, mm -hmm. you know, knitted in the womb, crafted, you know, you know, you know, with all of our kind of uniqueness. And um, anyway, I love this idea of just like blowing out the this this idea of of limitations and just watching what what God can do. I, I'm a big believer that, you know, recovery, healing um, are possible and are possible in this life, you know, if we if we do the work. Um, so anyway yeah yeah well i think the, the great thing about exodus is it, it will push participants you know likely beyond it just doubles down on like you think that's challenging here we're going to just double down on this you know so i struggle a bit with sloth okay i can be pretty lazy at times or just grab a bag of chips sit on the couch so for me the hardest thing was it wasn't just the fasting you know exodus wasn't like you're not just going to fast fridays you're going to fast wednesdays and fridays and for me it, that was so hard because I got through it on Wednesday and I really obeyed the rules. I mean, it's the church is fasting, you know, this day and age, and that's hard for me. And then I'd get a break on Thursday. And it's like, we're doing it again on Friday, but kind of doubling down on it forced me to go outside my norm because left to my own devices, I would have just done maybe one day a week, maybe. 
and, you know, patted myself on the back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause like some guys will look at the fast and be like, gosh, like compared to parts of the tradition of the church, like this is soft. I know. You know, and know. other guys will look at it and be like, gosh, this is so hard, you know? And so basically what we tried to do is just graft it into kind of the church's kind of standards today. And, um, you know, we find, you know, kind of a nice middle way there that, 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 that accomplishes the point, which is the idea that at the end of the day, like we can't be, you know, our souls can't be nourished by bread alone. And um, fasting really helps us to return to that kind of scriptural truth. Yeah. Of the disciplines, is there a common one that's like most challenging for participants? Is there one that comes up again and again? Or it's all across the Every, board? Yeah. Everyone is so different. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, and I would say some men really struggle with parts. Others struggle with different parts. Um you know, I'll never forget talking to the first groups and finding some guys who were like, loved the cold showers. And I was just like, what are you talking about? I know like, a guy you know? that, yeah, kept doing the cold showers for about six months afterwards because he found it to be the yeah. best way for him to to wake up. But that's that yeah. the fraternal aspect must be, yeah. it's really important and really fun, right? Because you have yeah. guys text, like I was on a group text and some guys were so upset about the showers. I didn't, I didn't care about the showers, but yeah. the fasting... But listen to this. I have another friend that did the group with me. He's a dad with a family of, uh, he's got six kids. I come to find out that his typical day, he actually only eats dinner like every day. And then you, so you're in that fraternal aspect. You're like, wow, I'm kind of a wimp. Like I need to, <laughs> I need Ty to rub off on me here. He's like, he's really fasting all the time. So that fraternal aspect is really, I think what pushes it to the next well, level. And right? it keeps you grounded too. I think, you know, the, my, you know, when people ask like, what's the benefit of a fraternity? I think it's like primarily about encouragement, you know, because obviously when we're struggling or we're, you know, struggling with different sins and vices, it's just so easy to give way to discouragement, which is just the devil's playground. Like he just loves yeah. us to be bummed. He loves us to, yeah, you know, waste away a few days. Yeah. He loves that. And, and so the beautiful thing about a fraternity is like the encouragement. I, I find so many times where I would want to give way to discouragement and find the, you know, an encouragement and a brother's word, you know, but at the same time, you also need accountability. You need a place where you're in the light and you're not hiding from anything. And I think when we look at scandals in the church and we look even at recent history, it's like, yeah, you know, you, you don't get into that place when you're really in the light and you're really yeah. accountable to others. And, you know, I'm not saying all that, it's easily explainable, you know, because there's so many different factors at, at play there. But fundamentally, it's like you, you're not in the light. You know, you're, you're letting yourself live in darkness and then you're just that becomes habitual. And, you're, you know, that's that's what a fraternity does. It's a place to be called out, to be accountable, um, to be inspired, you know, by the gifts and skills of other people, um, just like you were with, with your friend Ty. Um, so. Yeah. So, but you know, that vulnerability, but in a group yeah. that is pursuing Christ, um, yeah, that the, the, uh, vices will come to light pretty quickly, but, um, it's a helpful tool for guys to make great friends. Cause nowadays guys are, we know there's data and research that points that men are struggling, just having good friends, you know, and the value of just one or two good friends that yeah. you can be honest with and will be honest with you. You cannot put a price on that. You know, it's like that it's saying so saints true. come in clusters too, you know? Oh, it's so true. You know, like, yeah, I mean, reading stories to saints, you realize they interact with a number throughout their lifetime. And I've mm -hmm. always just so struck by that. Um, you know, I remember, so St. John Harry Newman's my favorite saint, you know, and, okay. and when he was struggling through his conversion, mm -hmm. you know, for a couple year period between Anglicanism and Catholicism, 
uh, he's like, you know what? At some point he just said, send me a saint. There's no more reading I need to do. There's no more praying I need to do. Yeah. Like send me a te testimony, you know? And blessed Dominic Barbary, this random wow. Italian missionary who happened to be called to England, you know, found himself, you know, in Oxford, <laughs> shows up. Wow. And, and receives him into the church. And so, you know, anyway, you can't like, argue that's just that one story of many. Yeah. You can't yeah. argue that testimony, but it's like Chesterton with St. Francis of Assisi, right? Yeah. That's, you know, he said, I want to be part of the church that can produce a St. Francis. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, one thing I want to ask you about is, what do you think? Because there's a lot of ministries and apostolates struggling to grow right now in the church, right? Um, I will tell you one thing I've seen that's key to success in like any ministry really sustaining is a team, a close-knit team. You cannot do any ministry solo. But uh, looking at the growth of Exodus over the last, um, so that's about six years, seven years now, right? Scaling Exodus. What do you think have been the key things y'all have done internally, the Exodus group, to help it grow at the rate at which it's grown? I love that question. Um, I, you mentioned the team. I am so blessed to work with the, the seven other men that I work with uh, on a daily basis. Um, some of us, knew, you know, went to seminary together. Others are, you know, my brother works with us now. Others were in focus. Um, you know, so there are some shared experiences of formation that we had that had real effects on our life that inspires us today. But uh, we just have incredible, incredible guys working here, you know, and so I just want to give a huge shout out to to our team. You know, there's real, only seven of us working on the back of it right now, and hopefully we'll be growing here soon. We need we need some help. Wow, that's great. But, um, I'm just so, so privileged to, to, to and inspired by the guys we work with. Um, I think a couple other thoughts. Um, you know, just being really open and really honest, you know, about how how things are, not just today in the church, but also in the work you do. Yeah. And not being afraid of being wrong. You know, mm -hmm. like I was recently um, talking with some like professionals, like like uh, lawyers. I talked to a journalist recently and they're all about like how, you know, they know the law or they're great journalists and all that stuff. And like when you're doing ministry and especially when you're starting something out and you feel called to do that, it's like. You really need to be okay with the fact that you have no idea how this is going to work and you yeah. have no idea like what it's going to take and you and you need to be open to just being wrong about a lot of stuff and, yes like, it's, just, yeah it's just like entrepreneur being an entrepreneur entrepreneurs exactly. lo they love to fail and they because they yeah. learn from it but in the church sometimes we're we are so uh i think afraid of failure yeah so uh um, yeah, i know and, and it's like it's it's okay to be wrong like like and, and from a spiritual perspective too i mean I mean, I, it's just so good for us to get get grounded like that, you know. So I don't know. I think just kind of an openness to, you know, trying new things uh, is, is pretty important. Um, and then I'd say like one other thing we've done pretty well is I've always got like my heart's in, in the chapel, but my mind is kind of in the world. And I just mm -hmm. like really study why things work. Mm -hmm. And um, years ago, we kind of made a call and it was uh, not a controversial one. It was just kind of the by necessity, basically, mm -hmm. you know, in 2015, when we were starting out, all church programming flowed like through the diocese, to the parish, to the priest, to the people. And when I met up with the bishop that ended up supporting us and, and really gave us his blessing to do this work, I just said, you know, I want to try something different. You know, it's like if Exodus is meaningful, men will share it. Yeah. And um, that was it, you know, because I was 24. I, no one, I mean, I didn't have a network, you know, I didn't, you know, 
I wasn't a Bishop Barron or I wasn't a Taylor Marshall or I wasn't a, you know, Dr. Han, you know, like right. I was just James. <laughs> right. And so, you know, it's just like, it had to be a powerful thing to grow. Mm -hmm. And um, that, that model of like kind of growth and kind of really focusing organically and just through testimony and witness yeah. um, really served us well, you know, and, and, and it's really kind of paved the way, you know, for, you know, where we're at, at today, you know, and why, why does Exodus grow? Because men have an experience and then they share that with others. Like that's, that's it. Yeah. So there's a book by Malcolm Gladwell I, I read years ago, but he talked about the stickiness factor that for something to grow word of mouth organically, it's gotta be something that's very easy to just keep sharing with other people. And I think Exodus really has that. It's really easy for me to tell anyone I know what is Exodus and why should you do it? Um, so I think that's key. And that's how it happened for me out here in, uh, you know, in rural Texas, James, a friend uh, invited me. So yeah. Um, yeah. it worked. <laughs> yeah. So um, maybe, uh, we could just talk a little bit about your own personal faith journey. You know, uh, really interesting reading in your bio, you spent time in the seminary. So you mind sharing about that time in the seminary and how the Lord worked in your life to call you out of seminary and into married life and what you're doing today? Yeah, so I went to the seminary at 18 and uh, it was interesting because it was kind of an extension of my time in high school. I was in a serving fraternity, kind of a traditional serving group called the Knights of the Holy Temple. So it was all based on like the Knights Templar. And uh, so from, from 15, you know, I had these interesting, um, you know, formation kind of uh, experiences, like had mentors, had, you know, spiritual directors, had priests actively involved in my life, you know, had, had opportunities for, for, you know, the fraternity elements we've talked about. And uh, just, it just did, did worked wonders for me, um, you know, and, and really kind of laid a foundation for me to, to kind of build on from that, ended up going to the seminary. Um, and, and, you know, college seminary was a really powerful time. You know, the fraternity was so real. Like you knew the men that you were journeying with, you knew the guys on your floor, um, you knew what they were struggling with, what they were great at. Like, it was just so powerful to be so known and loved by, by other guys pursuing holiness like that. And, uh, at the same time, it was in the middle of like SJV it's just a dorm among a bunch of dorms. Like mm -hmm. it's just right in the camp, right in the campus. So like you walk out the door and it's mission opportunity. And I just love that kind of integration of seminary formation with just real life. And, um, you know, just, yeah, I love that. So uh, also when I was up there, I encountered Catholic studies, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but um, it's a department there that's kind of become pretty influential on kind of how Catholic education, higher education is working on different campuses and not only Catholic campuses, but it's really there that I had kind of a conversion of mind, like an intellectual conversion where um, I just came to understand that like, yeah, the cross is the center of history and anything true, you know, unites in the person of Christ. Um, and like, he has a say and an influence over everything. You know, it just like helped me, I guess, from a standpoint of like drinking the Kool-Aid or just really realizing like there's just the, all this stuff is true mm -hmm. and there's no way to escape it. Like you're mm -hmm. either going to grow closer to him or you're going to move farther away from him, mm -hmm. and, you know, on a path you don't want to be on. Mm -hmm. um, Catholic studies helped me to see that. Like it built mm -hmm. on the contemplative foundation that I had as a boy, you know, and into the into the seminary. So that was, a, that was really hugely influential. Um, I spent a little bit of time in a monastery and that's, that's kind of where I realized wow. that, uh, the Lord was calling me out and, you know, I just had yeah. fun fundamentally had a desire to be married. I wanted to be yeah. married. 
Yeah. Um, I, I really wanted, um, I, yeah, I love like, I don't know. A lot of people can really disparage kind of secular life today, but yeah, I don't know. I've always just been so fascinated by it all. And just like, how do we, how can we learn and take, take in what's good and, and apply yeah. it to the mission of the church? Like, I just, I love that stuff. So, yeah. you know, all that kind of came back for me and, um, you know, and, and yeah, so, so I ended up leaving. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but the guys that are like really in the seminary and really love it and commit to it, leaving is mm -hmm. challenging because, it, I, you know, you, you lose some, okay. some of your bearings, you know, and, you know, people relate to you differently. And it's like, you're the same person, but for some people, you know, you're kind of a failure because you didn't yep. become a priest, yeah, right. you know, and for other people, they just don't even know how to look at you anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll be honest with you, like, it was a challenging time for me. And, and what I found is, for guys that were really in it, that's always the case. I mean, it's never easy to just to just to just walk away. So, uh, fortunately, though, you know, you, you find providence in that poverty, and and I did in a big way. And uh, it basically, from from the day I left, ended up kind of going full time on what's become Exodus, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, been really blessed since. You know, met my wife, and um, you know, that's just kind of been everything that I was hoping for. She's she's an amazing woman, a holy woman calls me on every day mm -hmm. <laughs> to be a better man. And um, I'm just so grateful for her and our life together. You know, now, now, and especially now having kids, like, you know, children that would not have existed had we not come together is just, just so amazing, so humbling and, and, yeah. and so meaningful too, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, I can't even really articulate that as meaningfully as I'd like to, but. Um, no, it's a full life today, and I'm so blessed by how God's providence has kind of unfolded everything, certainly in a way that I didn't anticipate, and certainly in a way that, that surprised me. But, you know, when I wake up these days, I'm just, like, so grateful for, mm -hmm. for everything that's happened. Yeah, that is awesome. What affirmation of your choice. So many wonderful fruits and just pursuing what felt natural. And that that um, journey of the vocation discernment, that like if you really go into it, that's where a lot of healing can happen. Because for me, I thought marriage was not possible for me. You know, I had some wounds from growing up that I was like, nah, this, but God, God showed me, no, yes, it is. So um, that is awesome. Um, one question I want to ask you is, you know, looking at everything that's happened with Exodus last six or seven years, um, what has it taught you about, about God and how God works and ways that we can evangelize that we may not think of as evangelization methods Gosh, surprises so, yeah. surprises yeah. along the way hmm. yeah i think um i mean the biggest thing that i can think of is just that like the next step is always right in front of you um and what i mean by that i think i especially i mean that for like ministers in the church you know doing ministry whether that's independently or that's in dioceses, like the next step is always right in front of you. I think sometimes in the church, we can get really discouraged by the things that aren't going great. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and we can just kind of stagnate in that place or just like accept like the status quo on stuff. But I've just always found that like whenever we need to, to, to make a change at Exodus and uh, it happens regularly where it's like, hey, we've been doing this for a while. We're going to do something different. You know, yeah. what, like, well, let's just give it a go. It's always a little nerve wracking, you know, I'm in the middle of one of those decisions right now. And I'm like, well, this is not what I thought, but I think we got to go for it. Mm -hmm. And um, the next step is always clear. And I've just found that, like, just as an example, there's one time I was making a trying to make a decision on something. And I was talking to my spirit director about it. And he's like, he's like, you know, you're talking around this thing a lot. 
but like, have you just gone before Jesus Christ and asked him the question? And I was like, no, I've not done that, Father. Mm-hmm. And um, that made a huge impact on me. And, and it's actually, as you know, I'm making decisions now on a daily basis. I just do my best to just like place myself before the face of Christ. And I have this uh, image Velasquez painted, I think it's 17th century, it's, uh, just a crucifixion. It's this really stark painting where uh, the foreground is the corpus of Christ. And he's very like white, kind of radiant, but the background is very dark. And when you see this painting in Spain, it's just like even more alarming. Hmm. And so like, I've loved this painting. And so I always just like go before it. I'm just like, Lord, you know, what do you, you know? And I just ask very concrete questions. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do you want us to make this decision? Or, you know, you know, one, you know yeah. whatever it is. And I'm just, he, he, the Lord's alive, man. Like he speaks, he's a divine person. And, yes, and, yes. and like, he's the center of everything. He's behind reality. Nothing is here apart from, from him. And um, like, when you believe that and like you let yourself like really believe that, well, he has a lot to say about a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he can work wonders when you just surrender, like, and you yeah. just open yourself up to him. So I don't know, uh, for whatever, you know, I don't know how helpful that is, you know, before that question. But when I think about evangelization today, it's like as we're making decisions, processing things, it's just like, hey, let's remember the Lord of glory and everything and, and just, yeah, allow him to inspire us. I love that. We I actually did a little episode a couple months ago called One Step at a Time. But sometimes we get so overwhelmed trying to build this new thing. I'm sure it was a daunting task when you thought about scaling Exodus, but it's just a step at a time, a day at a time. And trusting that, yeah, you're not crazy to talk to the Holy Spirit all day long and just ask God, what should I do? What should I do? He is alive and active, and he wants these things to grow more than we do. So um, it's like having a, the best uh, coach possible on hand at all times. No, so, it's so uh, true. It's so true. And you, when you, when you, <laughs> one of the things I realized early on, like, okay, what's my role at Exodus? And it's changed a lot over the years, especially as we've grown our team. I just realized, like, what do I need to do? Just, like, remember that, like, the Lord is the leader and just yeah. listen, you know, like, that. that's it. Wow. And if we can do that, we'll be fine, you know. And as long as he wants to use us, great. And as soon as he's done with us, at least in this form, great. You know, like, we'll mm-hmm. go on our way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, there's just a lot of freedom in that place. And I think even if we think about, like, the book of Exodus, it's like, it's so easy, especially as men, to like kind of read ourselves into the figure of Moses. And, you know, there's some awesome opportunities for reflection in that. But like part of it's just like, I don't know, you know, maybe we're Aaron, you know, maybe we just need to like hold the Lord's hand up, you know, and um, try not to do the whole golden calf thing over again. But like, mm-hmm. you know, how can we, you know, kind of serve the Lord, you know, and, and there, there's just so much freedom that comes from that and like realizing the burden is actually on, on Christ's shoulders, you know, and he's carried it already. Yeah. Wow. Well, there you go, folks. Just listen, listen to God. He will show you the way. And um, on that note of listening, if you even listen to this podcast, you're probably thinking, all right, how do I sign up for Exodus? So I know the next one's starting this coming Monday, the 17th, right, James, to lead up to Easter. That's right, Justin. Yeah. So our biggest time of the year is January time, 90 days to Easter. uh, And, Obviously, the date for Easter moves with the calendar, but um, January 17th is our start date this year. So, um, yeah, we'll have tens of thousands of men from all over the world uh, making the journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I didn't realize until a couple of years into it, uh, so one of the things I'd say as well, before I even say that thing, is this whole 90 days to Easter thing wasn't our idea. Like, guys, mm-hmm. just 
in the first year loved it, shared it with their friends. Hmm. The men did this basically, but we wow. see 70% of our guys every year in this, you know, couple weeks. Yeah. And it's super, super exciting for us. Day 45 is always Ash Wednesday. So it's just a really powerful way to kind of lean into to Lent, you know, and it just leads, I think, to a really powerful encounter with Christ at the resurrection um, that, uh, yeah, a lot of men have find a lot of, found a lot of blessing in. So January 17th, um, check it out. Exodus90.com has all the information you might need to learn more about it. And uh, whether or not it's for you this year, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll be here next year, you know, so... Yeah. So uh, if you just take it to prayer, and, uh, to us, you know, we really look at it like a spiritual exercise, mm -hmm. something to be discerned and prepared for. And, uh, you know, if you're up for it, that's that's awesome. And if this year isn't the year, that's okay, too, you know. <laughs> well, we will put the uh, website link in the show notes. So, folks, please check it out. Invite your friends or share with others you think might be interested. I can assure you from doing it last year, it is worth it. Everyone should do it at least once. I really believe that. So please check it out. And uh, they have an awesome app, by the way, the Exodus 90 app. Uh, that was really helpful to me last year. Uh, you guys got any updates to the apps th app this year? Some lessons learned from last year's version? Yeah, tons. Yeah, yeah. so so we're, we're working on it all the time, you know, yeah. and actually building our app team uh, awesome. currently. Um, the thing we're working on that should be rolling out, actually, by the time this launches is helping men to find fraternities. So this can be awesome. one of the largest burden to Exodus. Mm -hmm. uh, more than a third of guys say they, they don't end up going through it because they weren't able to find a group. Yeah. And so uh, we're, we're, we're excited to kind of prioritize pairing men locally yeah. where that's not possible, uh, pairing guys by availability for remote groups. Um, but uh, maybe keep that in your prayers. There's just been yes. a ton to, to, to roll out to do that well. Mm -hmm. um, but it should be should be done in time for start this year, which uh, we're super excited about. That is awesome. Well, thank you to you and, your, you and your team for having that approach of always just assessing where things are, learning and improving. Uh, that is huge. So um, if you don't mind, we'll close with some hot take questions, James. We always like asking our guests some hot takes. So okay. favorite, favorite book of the Bible? Yeah, I got to say the book of Exodus. You got to uh, do I'm it. Kind of consume my life at this point. So <laughs> yeah. uh, the book of Exodus. If you didn't, I'd be worried if you didn't say Exodus. <laughs> Um, favorite saint. We already talked about this, but why is he your favorite saint? Yeah, John Henry Newman. I, yeah, I, so I met him in high school. Um, you met I, him? Took a class on him and just, just was oh, okay. so, so, um, so inspired by his thought and had to read yeah. a ton of yeah. his work. Yeah. And I've ended up taking a couple of retreats to this little monastery that he built when he was working through his conversion. And, um, you know, there's a lot that he's taught me. But probably the greatest thing is just the priority of the invisible. And I've already kind of referred to this in things that I've said today, but, you know, what we can see is not even half the equation of reality, mm -hmm. you know, and there are spiritual forces that are so much more powerful and dynamic than anything that we're doing that are influencing the course of history. And, you know, as Catholics, as Christians, like it's our, it's our calling to, to remain in that kind of contemplative stance to see that. And to remember that, like, we have saints and angels to call upon for help and support. Um, obviously, the Lord and, and the Father, the Son, the Spirit, you know, Mary. But uh, Newman helped me to see that. Like, I just, mm -hmm. I didn't, for, it, before I met Newman, it was like, you know, I had my prayer life and then I had my real life or yeah. whatever, or whatever you want to say. And Newman helped me to realize, like, no, it's one thing. And the spiritual stuff is the most real, even if it's invisible. And uh, before that, I just didn't understand that. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. So 
if you were doing Exodus, what what would be the hardest discipline for you out of the disciplines? Or are you just a master of all of them? Super Exodus. Oh, no, I'm not a master <laughs> of all of them. Yeah. No, it's, I find it as humbling uh, every year as it is for for anyone. Um, I so so as a team, just to stay in the spirit of the work and to be offering it for all the guys that are going through Exodus throughout the year. Uh, we take cold showers. Just you know, it's just like a practice that we have as a as a team. And honestly, even years into it, I hate them still. Like, I just don't like them very much. You it do takes... cold showers all the time? Yeah. Yeah, we do. As a Your team. life is cold showers? Basically, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Guys, so, James cares about there, you. There, okay? There's some feast days where I give myself a break. <laughs> oh, but, my you know, gosh. But that's kind of, you know, I but I don't like them. Like, I, I haven't, like, I, they haven't gotten easier. They haven't anything. It's just wow. like every day it's like i even this morning honestly justin i was just like i stared at it for like 20 <laughs> seconds i was just like god what am i doing you know so i don't know i think i think that probably that stands out yeah yeah i'm i'm i am deeply impressed right now um easiest discipline for you yeah um man i think Gosh, all of them are hard at different times. I think I'd probably say the that's the silent prayer time. So we ask guys to pray for an hour a day and then then take at least 20 minutes of that for silence. It's like yeah. when I don't have that time, I just don't even I don't feel like the same person, honestly. Right. So it's more about is there's some the selfishness in that a little bit. Um, but I, I just that's just kind of a kind of a part of my life that uh, you know, is not just an exodus thing. It's just you gotta have that in your life. So yeah, let's do that. And why should every man participate in Exodus? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 kind of one of those things where it's just just pray over it. And if it's for you, if there's something that draws you, someone invites you, you know, take it up. We really don't subscribe to like when you do men's work, you can kind of like, you know, find yourself in these caricatures of masculinity that you actually mm -hmm. don't believe or support. Mm -hmm. But just like that's how people view masculinity, you know, and mm -hmm. so sometimes it can kind of devolve, I think. In different directions that aren't even that helpful uh, especially i mean i'd say probably even especially in the church um you know so it's not like exodus one of these things where do if you don't do this you're not a man like we don't right. look at it that way at yeah. all yeah. you know and so i would just say um you know at the same time what i have been so struck by is how people at such different places in their spiritual life find something here and it's like priests and bishops would go through it and stuff. I'd be like, man, I, why are you, what, are, what do you need from this? You know, and, and they always have something to say. And mm -hmm. other guys who have not done the doorsteps in, of a church in years or ever find something in it. And it's like, well, that's super mm -hmm. interesting too. Wow. You know, so I, I would just say you should, if, if that invitation is there and the time is right, you know, it's most of our guys are married too. Yeah. So we've strongly encouraged guys, make sure your spouse you know, is aware of what Exodus entails. It entails a lot. And, and yeah. depending upon your family rhythm, um, it can it can mess with it a little bit, you know? Yeah. And so if it's an intentional time that you've prepared for, that your wife is ready for and excited about, and you have her support, mm -hmm. it's going to be awesome, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but but if you don't have that, you know, it's it, it's not the right time, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what I'd say. Yeah. All right. One thing every Catholic needs to know. Oh man, it's such a gift to be alive right now. <laughs> and I I have a people sometimes think I'm optimistic, but I'm just filled with hope and yeah. And it's almost like the worst things can get in certain places, the more excited I become. 
because it's like, great, all of this stuff is going to become an opportunity for Christ to win. Mm-hmm. And um, I just believe that, like, he's the center of history. You know, he, he, he's died. He's rose again, you know, and, and he's, he, he's brought us into sonship with the father. And it's like, as a Catholic, you know, in the fullness and as Christians, it's like we have the identity that God intended for us, you know, from 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 the beginning of time. And it's like a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. And like what a privilege and what a gift that is to, to live from and to own and to accept. And um, yeah, I'll just never forget. There's this priest in my life where we were having this super discouraging conversation about the things going on in the world. And it was all about just like the dignity of life and ways in which that was, you know, just being more compromised as we were going along, specifically in like scientific advancements. And it was like, I just felt this darkness. And he's like, you know what? This this is our time. Like, this is the time for, for us right now. Like, we are so blessed to be alive. And mm. it's just had a big effect on me. So, um, yeah. What should we know? It's like, this is our time. And that, that, that should really excite you because... Every saint, you know, has 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 lived for their time, and Christ intended them for it. And um, yeah, I'm just so grateful to be alive, and I'm so grateful to be a Catholic, and so grateful to 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 know God as my Father, like through through the incarnation of Christ. So Amen. That's, that's it. Gratitude. That's awesome. And favorite Bible verse. Yeah. So this has changed changes for me a lot, honestly, pretty regularly. Uh, right now I'm really big on the identity verses in the gospels, you know, Christ baptism, you are my beloved son and you am well pleased. So, Hmm. um, I've just been shuffling through those lately, uh, and just thinking about those a lot. So just trying to live more and more from, from that identity. Awesome. Seems like you spend a lot of time in scripture. Yeah. I'm I'm so far from like a scholar or anything though. So when people like ask me like technical questions, I'm like, Hey, I, I don't know, you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's just, it's, it's all there. It's all there. And, um, yeah, so those those verses are definitely, definitely standing out for me right now. Awesome. Well, James, thank you for all you have done for the church, you and your team, uh, your prayers for the men participating. So folks visit exodus90.com, download the app and what a great, uh, so great to know that y'all are helping people find fraternities. They can't find their own. So, Really recommend and implore you to share this with the men in your life. Thanks again for the time, James. Justin, appreciate you. Thank you. God bless you. And uh, so grateful for this opportunity today.